Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by his word. God bless Today, uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 10. I'll be reading in just a few moments. Uh, I'm going to be reading from verse, starting at verse 17. But this, uh, the last few months especially, there's been two series that have been going on. So if you did not catch the anointed series that has been happening since Easter, right till Pentecost Sunday, anointed, anointed with what? With the Holy Spirit. Make sure you go back and you catch those, those messages. Powerful. They are powerful messages. Also, on Wednesday nights, if you're not watching or catching the Wednesday night services, there's an intertwining of the, the Sunday mornings and the Wednesday nights. It's been... I called it the preeminent series where Jesus says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, basically he's Lord. He's head of the church and of all, all things consist in him. But at the end of that verse, he says, or the word says, that he may have preeminence in our lives. That he may be preeminent. And so there's a choice that we make for Jesus to be preeminent in our lives. We make that choice. We are saved by faith, but we place Jesus as Lord in our lives by choice. We say, Jesus, I give you authority in my life. I surrender. I submit to your lordship in my life. Not my will, your will be done. It is critical in these last days that Jesus is Lord in our lives. So if you haven't caught the preeminent series, and it basically is around Colossians. Just four chapters, powerfully, powerful. And so that's been going on for about two months as well. On Wednesday nights, go back to the very first uh, one called First, preeminent first. And, uh, uh, and then continue on. If you haven't caught it, catch those messages, those, the, the teaching in on the Wednesday nights. Praise the Lord. So this, the last two weeks, and I found it very interesting, if you caught it, two weeks ago I preached, last week Joel preached. Do you know that we preached on the very same uh, passage, Romans 1 verse 16 and on, where Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God for salvation. I'm not ashamed. And so two weeks ago, I preached on that. And Joel, I, I just said, Joel, whatever the Lord puts on your heart, I say to the pastors, whatever the Lord puts on your heart, you hear. We hear from the, the Holy Spirit, and he then speaks to us as we are open to hear from him. And so the beautiful thing is this. Last two weeks, we, we preached from the, the, the same passage. And I, I don't know if, if Joel was aware of it. In fact, the, the title was almost the same. So if you check, mine was, I'm not, I'm not ashamed. And I think his, his was not ashamed. And that was not my planning to say, hey, Joel, you need to continue to preach on that. That was what the Lord put on his heart. This, this morning, as I, uh, this week, as I was praying, Lord, speak to me. And it was usually, it's like, Lord, the Lord's already speaking earlier in the week, and I was, 
it seemed like, Lord, come, I need to hear from you because I'm preaching on Sunday morning. Now, I'm not going to be preaching my own word. I need to hear from you. And on Friday night, I went to bed saying, Lord, you need to speak to me. Saturday morning. This is before I woke up. I had a dream. And it was kind of neat how this dream went. And I was at, for those that have ever been to Bethel Park or camp, Bethel Camp in past London, it's the uh, German, old German camp. Uh, it's been for the last 50 years. And, and uh, I knew I was there. And I was in, uh, so I was in a forested area. And so I was there. And I was there just, hey, camp time, and, and I, I haven't been there for several years, and, and, uh, but I can remember as a kid, every year we'd go there for family camp, or we'd be there and enjoy uh, services. Sunday, Sunday, we'd have church in the morning, and in the afternoon, we'd have afternoon service, and then in the, in the evening, we'd have an evening service, and during the week, there'd be a morning and evening service every day, and uh, so I can remember that as a kid growing up, camp time. And so I was there to relax, but I, for whatever reason, I was needing to prepare a message. I need to prepare a message. And so I'm in this dream. I'm in the dream. I'm, I'm looking. I'm, I'm, I'm out on a, a picnic table outside, and I'm, I'm looking for something. I'm looking for paper to write on or something. And so I said to Julie, Julie, can you get me some paper? And I, I and there were just tiny little scraps of paper that, well, this isn't going to work. So I couldn't find a, a good paper and whatever and uh, to write down as the Lord would speak. And then I was frustrated because there, there, there was not a message that was coming. I need a pen or, or pe pencil. I need to write these things down even as the Lord would, would begin to speak into my heart. And then not on top of that, there's this guy that's that's coming around and he's sort of around and it's like and I knew the the individuals I I yeah it was uh Lori Gibbons some of you may know Lori Gibbons and so he's he's coming around and it's like I I need to be working on this message Lord you need to speak and this guy's coming around and he's he's there and he's and I and I could tell that he wasn't well he wasn't feeling well And I, then I find out, even as he's not well, I find out that they need somebody to speak. And he's the main camp speaker, and he's not, he's sick, and he can't speak. And so it's like, hey, Dave, you need to say, you need to give the message. And that's like, you're speaking in 20 minutes. You've got 20 minutes. I've got no message, nothing. And you know how it is in a dream where it seems like nothing, <laughs> nothing is working out. You're, tr you're, you're running and you can't go anywhere in the dream. And it's like, it's like nothing's working out. And I got 20 minutes and I got I'm, I'm preaching now and there's no message. And it's usually at that point that you wake up. It was at that point that I woke up and the Lord immediately began to speak and I began to write down the message outline 
for today. I said, I say, thank you, Lord. Even in the dream, you're preparing already in, with dreams and with visions. The Lord is, is, desires to, to speak to us and to lead us. And you say, is that just for the pastor? No. The Lord desires to give you dreams. He desires to give you visions. And at this point, it was the message. The message is the most important thing. And it, it came as I was dreaming, just before I woke up, it was, I need to speak the most important thing. I need to speak the, mo the most important thing. And so with that, what is the most important thing? The most important thing is that we can have full and abundant life now and for all eternity. I want you to know that we can have full and abundant life now and for all eternity. It's, and it's not just for me, but it is for every single person that would grab a hold of Jesus Christ. In this day and age where there's uncertainty, where things are, are like they've never been before. I was on, on Friday, I think it was Friday when things opened up. I went into a, or I was waiting in line to get into this shop and uh so i was outside and there was two old older fellows that were waiting we were waiting together now I, i'm i'm not a, a teenager anymore but these guys they they had at least 20 or 25 years on me <clears throat> so they were i don't know they were probably what in their 50s no <clears throat> no they they yeah they must have been in their 70s or 80s so they're coming in with their, one had a chainsaw that wasn't working, and this old guy is just sort of standing out. And, uh, and I, I said, hey, yeah, these, nice day and uh, interesting times. And uh, the one guy who I'm sure could possibly have been a kid during World War II says, you know what, I've never seen times like this. This is a guy in his, probably in his 80s, saying, I have never seen times like this. We're living in the last days. And I want you to be excited because Jesus is coming back soon. And there are things that need, we need to do yet. The good news of Jesus Christ. The Gospels, each one of them focus on, on, an, on an aspect of Jesus being Jesus to us to take care of whatever situation we may face. I just want you to know at this time, John focuses in on Jesus our, being our Savior. Jesus being our Savior. And I'm not just talking when we first come to Jesus and we come to the Lord, but I'm talking about for every single day in the things we go through that Jesus says, I want to not just save you from your sins, but I want to save you in your situation, whatever you may be in, whatever you may be going through, I want to take care of that situation today, that he's our savior today. Not just for me, 50 years ago when I gave my life to Jesus, it's coming up this summer, is going to be 50 years since I gave my life to Jesus. And it wasn't just for when I was seven years of age, but it is for 
today, the things that I may be facing, the things that I am going through, the Lord wants to say, I want to help you and save you from your situation and help you through your situation. John focuses on that in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, so that we would have power, the power of, the, of God in our lives to share, to love God and to share the love of God with others. The power of the Holy Spirit. You're, are you struggling to love the Lord? Are you struggling to follow him? Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I'm going to give you strength and power by the Holy Spirit to do the things that to love that you in a way that you couldn't love on your own. By the Holy Spirit, the moment we are saved, we have the earnest of the Spirit, a portion of the Spirit. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. But there is another point where Jesus is, becomes our baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And we need to have the power in these last days like never before. You seek the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit so you can have the power to be witnesses unto Jesus wherever you may be. Because it's not, the Holy Spirit is not just for us, for me, for myself. But the Holy Spirit is so that there's a ministry that takes place to others. In the Gospel of Mark, Mark focuses in on, on the, the good news is that Jesus is our servant and healer. Our servant as he, he's saying, hey, I want to do a work when it comes to the situations you, you may be going through. So much is tied, so many of these things are tied together. He wants to heal you. He wants to help you. John, or, or Mark, as you read through Mark, 16 chapters, and the, it ends off with this. <clears throat> Those that believe in Jesus' name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And the Lord desires for us in these last days to be those individuals to minister to others. Not just to be ministered to for the different things you might be going through with health, finances, relationships, whatever. To have healing come in those areas. But that there would be a ministry done through us to minister to others the healing that they need at this time. To be set free from demons and their demon oppression and demon, demonic influence. There will be life. And preceding all of this is the fact that Jesus is saying, hey, you go out, you share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You share the gospel, the good news. That the kingdom of God would expand. And Matthew, I just want you to know, if you're listening online and here the gospel of matthew focuses in on jesus as king jesus is king we have in the very first chapter we have the lineology or genealogy and the lineage of jesus all the way from uh, abraham to david and right through to jesus the lineage is there there's 52 generations from Abraham to Jesus. 52. And it's all about kings. Kings, there was a lineage. There's lineage. There's a, a, a knowledge of, hey, this is where I came from. There's, and the interesting thing is, 
In Matthew and in Luke chapter 3, it goes from Adam, 73 uh, generations from Adam all the way to Jesus, 73 generations. And the amazing thing is this, in Matthew and in uh, Luke, both Joseph and Mary were of the lineage of David. It's interesting, even Joseph. But Jesus, king, Jesus needs to be king in our lives. The king is the one, and Jesus, being king, knows what our future could be. There's protection, there's covering, there's inheritance, there's blessing, there's all different things as Jesus is king or Lord in our lives. Today, we're recognizing his tremendous love for us as he went to the cross and his body was broken, his blood shed for us. We recognize this in communion. All right. <clears throat> let's let's get into the passage, Mark chapter 10, verse from verse 17. And just a little bit of a heads up here. The interaction is between a young man and Jesus. And this young man, whether he, while he was well-to-do, whether he had inherited it or whether he had gotten that wealth on his own. And, and just from what I, I read, whether it's in the, the account in Matthew and Luke, and I know we're focusing in on Mark, Mark's account of this, because each one has a, a little slightly different uh, viewpoint and perspective on this, this young man. And so I, my take on it is that this guy maybe was not an inherited thing of wealth that he had, but it was because he was a go-getter. This guy was a go-getter. I don't know about you. You might say, oh, that's not me. I'm not a go-getter. Or you might say, yep, that's me, man. He had a position of authority at a young age. He was motivated. I could see this guy being motivated and organized with goals and a vision. This is what I want to do by the time I'm 30 years of age. This is what I want to accomplish. And this is how I'm going to accomplish. That was what I get out of these three accounts about this young man. He was undeterred and undist not distracted, but yet distracted. Having it all together, having it all together, but choosing to miss the point of life and eternity. Listen, let's read Mark 10, 17. Now, as he, that's Jesus, was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So here, Mark is saying, doesn't say anything about this individual, except you see how motivated he is. He came running. And he knelt before him. There was this thing of, I know who you are. He said, good teacher. Jesus responds and says, 
Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. Jesus is not saying that he's not good, but he's, sort of, he's indicating that this young man knew that he was the son of God. He called him good master, good teacher. King James says good master. He knew who Jesus was. The son of God. You don't, this word good, you don't say a good teacher to just anybody. There's, no one is good except for God. The terminology here is there's an indication that this young man knew that Jesus was God. The son of God. In Luke, it indicates in Luke 18, verse 18, Luke indicates that this man was a ruler. He was a ruler. He was a man of position and of, and of authority. He was a young man, but he was also in that position of authority. This was not just any young man. This was a man that had authority. And as I said earlier, whether he acquired that on his own or whether it was given to him, he still had that position. Matthew indicates that he was young. And so between these three accounts of the Gospels, of this situation that happened, we realize what kind of man this young man is. But only in Mark, it indicates his intensity. The intensity of this man. It says, as Jesus was going out on the road, he came. It says, one came running. There must have been a revelation to him. I need to do something. I've got, maybe I've got position. I've got power. I've got, I've got, I've accomplished what I want to accomplish. I've got great wealth already at, his, at a young age. And listen, I want to just say to you out there, if you think that great wealth and material, materialistic things are going to give you all the, the, the happiness in this life, you're mistaken. He had it, and he comes running, and he kneels down before Jesus. There's a thing of the ruler kneeling before Jesus, and he asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Or Jesus, or Jesus, son of God, what, what, what do I have to do to inherit, to receive eternal life? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? In Matthew, the account of Matthew 19, from, is verse 16, Matthew says, What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Is there anything that I can do? What good thing can I do that I can have eternal life? Now, you can't. It's not so much a thing of inheritance, something that we, that we, uh, our work and our, that we do ourselves, that we can have eternal life. But we know that it's Jesus is the only one that can give us eternal life.
Jesus is the only one that can give us eternal life. So Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. He's saying to this rich, young ruler, motivated, intense, respectful, humbling himself to kneel before Jesus. You know who I am. You know who I am. You know that I can give eternal life. Look at what Jesus says. You know the commandments. And he starts telling or quoting the different points of the Ten Commandments. He doesn't start at the number one commandment. And he doesn't even necessarily put them in order. But he starts and he says, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, sort of tying in with do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. So in that we have the different commandments, do not commit adultery as Commandment number seven. Do not murder is commandment number six. Do not steal is commandment number eight. Do not bear false witness is commandment number nine. Honor your father and your mother is commandment number five. So he covers five, six, seven, eight, and nine. So he covers five of the ten commandments. I just want you to know, have you, have you broken any of these commandments? We've broken, we've broken these commandments. These ones you say, well, okay, actually these ones, no, actually, no, I haven't, I haven't broken those. The young man, the young Rich, motivated, aspiring ruler answered and said to Jesus, Teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. You think he was lying? I don't think so. I, I believed absolutely that he had kept all those, those five commandments he had kept from the time that he was a young man. It's interesting, Jesus shared all the commandments that the young man had kept. He left out all the ones the man had problems with. And I like what Jesus says here, or what it says in, in, in verse 21, Mark 10, 21. And I, I just want to say this. This needs to be how we as individuals and as a church deal with those that don't know Jesus. Whether it's friends, neighbors, whether it's loved ones, whether it's our relatives, 
or the stranger. This man, I don't know. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't sound like Jesus knew the man. He didn't know him. But immediately, it says, then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, there's a problem. There's a problem here. He said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. The problem that this particular man had, it was around, it was around wealth. Now, whether it was, just, it was inherited or not, he was a rich man. And here Jesus is saying, hey, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. The 10th commandment says in Exodus 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. In other words, we're talking about material things. We're talking about people. We're talking about things, tangible things. Covet means I want it or I need to have it. This guy had it. He already had, he had it. And we find out that he was unwilling to give it up. Jesus didn't beat around the bush. Sin is nasty. Whatever sin it is. Whatever it is. In this case, covetousness. Do you know what covetousness is? In Colossians 3 verse 5, it talks about covetousness, which is idolatry. Which takes place or takes care of the first Three or four of the commandments. The first commandment says that we should not have any other gods before us. Covetousness is idolatry. Is like idolatry is idolatry. It means I want things. I want them desperately because they are before God. I don't know. My car is more important than God. My house is more important than God because that's all I go after. My job is more important than God. My, my, my family is more important than God. Everything seems to be more important than God. Idolatry. God is not first. You shall have no other gods before me. The second commandment says... You shall not make for yourselves a carved image. So we don't maybe make carved images, but we certainly do buy them. I need to have this. I need to have that. You say, Pastor, I'm not, I don't have that much money. I, but you may not have the money, but you're just saying, hey, but I want it. What's the most important thing? When it comes to life, what is the most important thing? It's not your house. It's not your, your car. It's not your family. It's not your job. It's not your career. It's not your education. As good as those things are, they're not the most important thing. And so we buy the idols and we put them before God. It says in Exodus 20 verse 5, it says, For I, the Lord, 
Your God, I'm a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Just saying, hey, you know what? You don't love me. You hate me. Listen, can I just say this? Our time, we put our time, our recreational time, whatever, is at times before God. I don't have time to be in the house of the Lord. I don't have time. Okay, you say, I, I can't come to the house of the Lord. I don't have time to listen to the service online. What? Come to church twice in one week? I was mentioning earlier. Now listen, coming to church does not save you. But my goodness, it sure gives an indication of, of where you are at when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. Oh, man, I just, I, I could not wait for today to happen for the sake that we could come together, that we could worship the Lord together. And so we put other things in front of God. Jesus loved, looking at him, loved him. And I'm just saying to, to, to you, to myself, we get what is important first in our life. Jesus, you have saved me. Jesus, that you would be Lord in my life. We've been saved, Lord, that you would be Jesus. You would be Lord of my life, Lord of all. Lord, you'd be Lord of my time. You would be Lord of the things, even my recreational time. I'm not saying you can't have recreational time. You know what? I look forward to times of rest. I'll tell you, this week was a long week. It's a long week. A very long week. Long days. Long days. When I got to bed, it, it was 1 o'clock in the morning. It was going all day from morning till 1 o'clock at night before I just I finally put my head down. Long days. I don't have a problem with rest. I look forward to times of rest. I look forward to times just because the Lord would have us rest. That's why he says to keep the Sabbath holy. That's number four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, that there would be times where I look, I look forward to, to Sundays. Yeah, I, I have to preach. I shouldn't say I have to preach. I look forward to, to sharing what the Lord has given to me to give to you. I look forward to this day to come together into the house of the Lord. This day of rest. We don't have time. Because there's other things that have crept in. What's most important in life? Listen. With time running out. There is not much time left, folks. I don't know how much time we have left, but for goodness sake, that we would be ready. And that those that we love would be ready. And those that we don't know, we just say, God, give me a love for them to share with them. Because, my goodness, what is coming, if we think this year has been bad, what is coming is it makes this look like, man, it was a picnic. This is a great man. I couldn't believe. Do you remember the COVID days? What is coming? What the Lord already warns us of. What is coming? It says that there will have not been any time that has ever been on this planet from the beginning of time. Like what is coming? 
that we would not be ready so we're not, we don't have to worry. Lord, I, hey, I'm ready to go. Because the most important thing, Jesus, that you are Lord in my life. There's nothing else that comes before you. Your name. You know what? I had... I had somebody tell me yesterday, I don't want to hear about Jesus. Don't tell me about Jesus. The message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. It is the power of God to those that are being saved. This person, I don't want to hear about Jesus. And there's a perishing. Evident. I don't want to hear about Jesus. Don't tell me about Jesus. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Jesus left all these things out. But he got right to the root of the problem. Listen, we need to get to the root of any issue in our life. That's this morning as we examine ourselves, we get to the root and we take care of the things that are, are coming in and we are casual about it. And it's distracting and it's taking us off course. Say, Pastor, hey, the first day we're back in church. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor. and You will have treasure in heaven and come, take up the cross and follow me. Come. Take up the cross. Take up the cross and follow me. This individual is saying, hey, don't tell me about Jesus. I've been telling them. Jesus is the one that can set you free. Jesus is the one that can deliver you. Jesus is the one that can give you life. And I want to hear about Jesus. And there's a perishing. Jesus is the one that can give you life. Without Jesus, you will perish. That nothing else would separate us from God. Sin separates us from God. It's a sin that separates us from an eternity with God. It's sin that sep separates us from a full life even now. Lord, let me not sin. Even in my covetousness. That there would be nothing that comes before you. Jesus said you would be Lord of my life. Church. Jesus be Lord of my life. Jesus is the only one that can heal us. Jesus is the only one. When it comes to healing spiritually. To take care of this sickness. Of sin in our lives. It is his blood that was shed for us that takes away our sin. That is the only thing that can wash away the stain and consequence of sin. Listen, you may, how much do I need to sin? One, just one time we're separated. Just one. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But, but, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We need, to, we need to stay under the blood. 
We need to stay under the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to stay with our faith as we have communion to remember what he did for us 2,000 years ago. I'm going to ask the worship team if they'd come back. Worship team, if you'd come. The young, rich ruler made his choice. Verse 22, Mark 10, 22 says, But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. He made the wrong decision. I don't know. Maybe after he left, we know at this point he made the wrong decision. I'm, I'm praying to God, I pray to God that he made the right decision before the end of his life. Maybe we will see the rich young ruler, that motivated young man in heaven, that maybe after he left and maybe as he was getting older, as he was facing uh, the end of his life, maybe he says, you know what? I've done everything and I recognize there is, man, do I need Jesus. The one that can save me, I need Jesus. Who knows? Maybe we'll see the rich man in heaven yet. I don't know. But he did know the love of Jesus. He did know that Jesus didn't beat around the bush. He was straight up with him as he just wrapped what he said in love. Listen, we're not here to condemn people. We're not here to say, hey, you're a rotten sinner. You're no good. You know, we're, we're so much better than you are. No, that we would have the motivation of love in our interactions with others to share the two parts that get us into the kingdom of God. Mark 1 verse 15 says, as Jesus began his ministry, the kingdom of God is at hand. You want to be in the kingdom of God? It's here. It's available to you. Repent and believe in the gospel. Two things. Repent. There's a turning. I turn. 180. I turn my direction and I grab a hold of Jesus. And there's a lot of people, they... You cannot just do one thing. To this individual that said, I don't want to hear about Jesus. I sent them a message, a text message this morning. It was, it was not of condemnation, it was of love. And I sent it as I'm writing this. And I'm recognizing the motivation of Jesus, even with this young man. And even with this individual, I don't want to hear about Jesus. Just sent them a message saying, hey, God loves you so much. God can set you free. God can give you life. He can, your sin is separating you from God. He can set you free from this. Jesus can deliver. Jesus gives life. Doesn't matter who you are we, are, we all have broken at least one of his commandments. Actually, we've broken many, and not just once, many times over in our lives. We need a Savior. We need to be under the blood. It's the blood. The only thing that washes us clean is the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to read from John 3, verse 16. This is Jesus talking to another ruler, a religious ruler. This was a rich, young ruler. The ruler that Jesus is talking to in John chapter 3 is a religious ruler. And he says to Nicodemus, speaking of himself, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but that through him 
we might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The breaking the rule, this commandment that says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Oh, Jesus. I don't believe in Jesus. Because he has not believed the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. The only way we can come and stay in the light is as we realize the truth of Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. We realize as we come into the light, we look and we say, oh my goodness. There are stains of sin all over me. And if we want to hang on to your sin, we go back into the things of darkness. I'm going to go into darkness. Because I want to hang on to my sin. This rich young man. And we don't know about Nicodemus. Nicodemus maybe as well. The religious ruler. Didn't grab a hold. I'm praying to God that he did. You have an opportunity as you have are alive. To give your life to Jesus. To give your life to Jesus. And I just want. This morning. Before we have communion. It says, Jesus said to the young man, he says, come, come to me. Take up the cross and follow me. Taking up the cross is not about the suffering, our suffering, and we may suffer for Jesus, but it's his suffering for us that we're reminded of with communion. That's taking up the cross we remember what he did for us 2,000 years ago. And he's saying, you can have life. Follow me. You, you will make it in the end. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So before we have communion, I'm going to ask somebody if, I could, if they can get me the emblems up here, if you would. And, uh, but I want to give an opportunity. If you're here or you're watching online, if you would... You say, what do I have to do? You need to allow Jesus to take care of your sins. Let him take care of your sins. And you might say, how do I have my sins taken care of? Thanks. How do I have my sins taken care of? It's not by taking communion. It's by believing in what these emblems represent. His body that was broken was the bread. I know it's not bread but it's the it's believing in who jesus is and what he did for us his body that was broken on the cross it was broken on the cross and the cup is the blood his blood that was shed for us and to apply either of these things in your life 
so you can have life is to believe, to confess, hey, Lord, I am a sinner. Just this man came to Jesus. As you come to Jesus, hey, not to say I've kept all the commandments. This young ruler should have said, oh, yeah, this is wrong. I confess I've broken this. He didn't say I broke this commandment. He didn't say anything about the first. He just he turned around and he walked away from Jesus. Sad. Let there be a confession. Lord, I am a sinner. And even as believers, if, there's, if something has come before you and God, Lord, I need to get things right with you. But take this time to examine yourself and to get things right before the Lord. Get things right before the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it talks about communion. And Paul, Paul was not there when communion was instituted. He wasn't there. When he's writing this, this is probably A.D. 52, 53, probably a good, it's 20 years after that he's writing this to the uh, Corinthians. And so he wasn't there. He wasn't one of the disciples. He was opposed to the Lord. But he, he received this from the Lord. And there's this, this taking of the bread. And there's a, a, a taking of the cup. A confession of who Jesus is and what he did for me on the cross that saves us from, a, from our sins. So I confess my sins and I confess that Jesus died for me. And his blood was shed to take care of my sins. And this, we take up the cross. And Luke 9, verse 23 says, Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciples, deny yourself. Deny yourself, your own efforts to be righteous because you can't save yourself. You're not good enough. This man thought he was good enough. Deny yourself. Take up the cross daily. Daily remembering who Jesus is and what he did and follow him. The Lord wants to, to as we follow him, that we would make it to heaven. So I'm going to pray just before we, I read this passage in first Corinthians uh, 11. I want to just pray a prayer. And I, if I could have you pray for, for, as you pray, just pray with me. Maybe there's somebody here that needs to give their life to Jesus or get back on track. So we can pray together by faith, believing in Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, I don't want anything to come before you. That you would be first and foremost in my life. The most important person. The most important thing. You are the only one. That can give me life. I have sinned. Forgive me Lord. You took all my sins upon yourself. And you died for me. Thank you Jesus. That you rose again. And you are in a place of authority. Come into my life and be Lord in my life. 
I submit to your lordship. I submit to you. Let full life, abundant life, your plans and purposes be fulfilled in my life even before you return. And Lord, I will be with you for all eternity as I follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So if I could just have you just take that first layer. I know it's sometimes hard to get off. looks like I'm not going to be having the bread unless I can get it off here anyways let's just thank the Lord for his body that was broken Lord we just thank you for your body that was broken we thank you Lord Jesus that by your stripes we can be healed and Lord even now I just pray that there would be a healing that would go forth even as we remember your body that was broken on a cross 2,000 years ago, Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Let's all partake of the bread. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So the bread represents his body broken, but the cup, the cup represents his blood shed for us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There is no way to take care of our sins. It is by his shed blood that we have our sins taken care of. And the Lord is saying, I want you to, to regularly take communion to remember what I've done for you on the cross and my blood being shed for you. It takes care of our sins. Lord, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Thank you so much. Lord, we thank you that it takes care of all of our sins, past, present, and fut future, as our faith remains in you and what you did for us on the cross. Lord, it takes place. We are in right standing before you because of your shed blood and our faith remaining there. That's taking up the cross. I take up the cross. There's a reminder of this, Lord. So we just say thank you for your blood that takes care of my sins because my faith is in you. Hallelujah. Let's all partake of the cup. Hallelujah. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes.
that's what we want to do, that we would proclaim the Lord's death until he comes daily, taking up the cross, I proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the, cu of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. So there needs to be a taking care as, we, as our faith is with the Lord. He takes care of our sins and to help us to walk in a way that is right before him only. The just shall live by faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified. And we are in right standing. And there are changes that can start to take place in our life. Or the things that need to take place or need, still need to change, they can change. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Following the service, we're just going to sing a song or two. And after our, our time of worship, I'm going to close and dismiss you. I'll pray blessing on you. But following that, if there is anybody that needs prayer uh, for whatever reason, whether it's for healing, whether it's for salvation, or if you did give your life to the Lord this morning, please tell somebody or come and tell me. I want to pray for you. I want to give you some encouragement and some, some direction at this point. Or if you have issues with I don't know what to do, whatever it may be, after the service, I want you to come. We want to pray for you and uh, allow the Lord to do a work. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.